Good morning. All right. You ready to worship? We have been taken to the throne by our praise team and worship team. We're so glad that uh, we have and they have uh, led us there. We are in transition. I like that word. Transition. We're always in transition. We should be. Uh, because if we are still, we're not doing anything. Uh, doctors say we need to get up and move around. I have a watch that tells me ever so often it's time to stand. So I try to get up once in a while when it does tell me that and do that, and it says, you did great. <laughs> so you have done great in preparation for our worship. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Now, while you're turning there, I want to share with you a couple of things. And I want to ask for your participation. Being in transition, there is a process that we are going to be following. And we're going to, uh, we, we've already started that, and we're going to continue that. It is built around five particular focal points. Uh, one being heritage or history. One being missions. One being connections. Leadership. And future. Every aspect of those focal points, I'm going to ask you to be a part of. You may like to be a part of one particular group in that five focal points. If you are, that's great. Uh, let me know because I would like to have those five focal groups, not just focal points, but focal groups, if we could form five groups. If we have enough people participating that we could do so. But in, in every aspect, those five focal groups will come together and uh, we will have one transition team. The transition team and five focal groups or teams that will help us to get where we're looking to get to. One of those where we're looking to get to is a church profile. The questions we need to ask is, who are we? Who, who are we as Corinth Baptist Church? And who does God want us to be? In like manner of that is, where is the Lord taking us? Where does the Lord want us to go? What does the Lord want us to be? We're going to be looking at all of that and those different groups, those different teams, and I'm going to ask you to be a part of it. We started this past Wednesday night of sharing together um, in our Wednesday night service, a, a time of sharing uh, how we feel about where we are. How do you feel about CBC right now? How do you see us going forward? How do you see 
CBC becoming what the Lord wants us to become. And uh, we're going to deal with the issues of uh, our pastor leaving after 20 years of being with us. Uh, I was glad to find out after uh, Wednesday night that uh, he hasn't just been here 20 years and now he's gone. He has basically, step by step, come into the leadership position of this church by first youth pastor, second associate pastor, and the third, of course, senior pastor. And in each of those steps, he's obviously made an impact upon this body. And so we want to praise God for that. We want to thank God for that. And uh, we want to deal with those issues that may be uh, of importance to us from the standpoint of are we losing him? Um, Not from a death necessarily, but from a standpoint of he's no longer pastor. And uh, in that there is a type of transitioning. So we are having to transition to, okay, we need to figure out where we go from here. And also a pastoral profile, what kind of pastor we need to seek, what kind of person we need to seek, a godly person in filling uh, that position, and uh, what kind of man does God have prepared for us here. That's my place and my position is to share with you the Word of God based upon these aspects. And so to this morning I begin with this passage of Scripture and this sermon. God finishes what He starts. God finishes what He starts. He's never started anything that He's never finished. He never will. He never has. He never will. He hasn't started, and he won't. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12. If you can stand with us in honor of the reading of God's Word, would you please stand? Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and all the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south, and the plain of Valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. How old was Moses when he died? 120. 
My granddaughter's great-grandmother is 103 years old, will be 104 this year if she continues to live. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Pray with me. Father God, you are our Lord, our Master. We wait upon you. We look to you. We call upon you. Lord, we turn to you in this transition time. Lord, there's nothing hidden from you. And Lord, we can hide nothing from you. So we are open before you. We ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to move mightily in our hearts and our lives. Open our minds to be receptive of your word, our hearts to be receptive of your will and your leadership. And Holy Spirit of God, tune us in to your word and your message for us today through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you, and it may, you may be seated. God always finishes what he starts. He never starts anything that he doesn't finish. But it doesn't come without change. Now, I realize change, C-H-A-N-G-E, is not a favorite word of churches. It's not even, <laughs> it's not even a favorite word of us. As individuals and believers, no matter what profession we are in, change can be defined as the inevitable movement of life's forces. <laughs> Let me give you that definition again. Change can be defined as the inevitable movement of life's forces. Inevitable means it's going to happen. And movement means we will become different. Okay. Now, that's, that's a lot to swallow right now. I mean, that's just a lot for us to process. Change is inevitable. It's going to happen whether we want it to or not. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. Change is going to happen. Change does happen. We don't like the Word, so we become enamored with that Word, and we would like to throw it out of our vocabulary, but we cannot do so. 
Because we are changing as we sit here right this moment. You are changing. I'm changing, standing up here, preaching. All of us are changing in some fact or the other. So, regardless of what we've been for 20 years, now the transition comes in and we notice the change more so than we ever have. It is inevitable. The late William Bridges, a leading professional on this topic, said, when change happens without people going through a transition... It's just a rearrangement of the chairs. Transition is the process by which individuals deal with change. So, what are our options to deal with change? And deal with it in a healthy manner. Well, we can choose to resist change. We can choose to fight change. We can even choose... To deny change. It's not going to change anything because change is here. It's coming. It's inevitable. It's going to occur. We are becoming different as we transition, as we change. We can't stop it. When we were born, we began to change. I'm going to give you several passages of Scripture. Creation began in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. But do you know that after God created, changes took place? Changes took place in the earth. Changes took place in the sky. Changes took place on the earth with Adam and Eve. One thing that changed that's the reason that we're in the mess we're in now is sin. Life, Genesis 4, 1 through 2. Life changes. There are physical changes. Once we are born, we begin to what? Age and get older, yes. And every day, listen, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I look forward to being 13 years of age. Y'all remember that? I remember that. I remember. 13 was the worst year of my life. Thus far. <laughs> but I remember, I couldn't wait to get 13. And then, I couldn't wait to get 16. Then, I couldn't wait to get 21. You know what happened when I was 21? I changed from 20 to 21. I was not 13, 16. I was 21. Changes, physical changes, all different kinds of changes throughout my life. This next one I haven't reached yet. I'm on my way. Death. Hebrews 9.27 It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, 
the judgment. All of us are going to die. We have an appointment with death. Grave space is reserved for us in one fashion or another. Death, we're on the way towards it from the time that we begin to that time. And we are on that way because of sin. After death comes the judgment, the Bible says. Judgment. Change. Where are you going to spend eternity? Judgment. The good thing is judgment is determined here and now. The good thing is you and I have a choice. Over judgment. We can choose to go to heaven. John 3.16, Jesus, the Bible tells us, uh, Jesus said, uh, God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or hell. Matthew 25 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Change is coming. We can't stop it. It's inevitable. How we deal with it, how we cope with it, makes all the difference in the world. We can deal with it in a healthy way, or we can deal with it in a destructive way. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the way that we know that we are saved and we are changed is that we are not the same. The Apostle Paul described it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. We are changed. We are no longer the same. We are transformed. We are different. If you feel the same way as you did before you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to question And you need to look into and investigate if you were really saved, if you really changed for Christ. If Christ is really your Lord and your Savior, then you will know. Question yourself, am I the same today as I was yesterday when I trusted Christ? If you are, there's much need to examine your heart and your life. In this passage we see how to handle the changes that come into our lives, specifically church. This is the final book of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, authored by Moses. The Bible, this book, closes in this chapter with the life of a major prophet of God. He was a man of God. He was a servant of the Lord. Moses. Moses. And God gives us instructions here 
from the life of Moses. <laughs> it's, it's the most interesting thing in the world. I love the Old Testament. I love going back to the Old Testament because in reading the past, I know what happened in the past and it will help me to avoid the same pitfalls today and in the future. If I don't pay attention to it, I'm doomed to do the same thing over again. God gives us four guidelines here for dealing with change in the life of the church and our lives as believers. The first is resting in the promises of God. Resting in the promises of God. Look with me again at verses 1 through 4 of chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Mediterranean, the sea, uh, uh, the south, and the plain of Valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land which I swore I promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes. But you can't go there. I've caused you to see it. In my love, in my mercy, in my grace, Moses... I've caused you to see the promise, the promised land. Remember the Ten Commandments? That's a good movie, even though it's a lot of of, of human stuff in it, but it's still a good movie that gives real emphasis to God leading towards God's promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm calling you to get up out of Ur of Chaldea and go to a place, go to a land, go to a place that you've never heard of, never known of, you don't know of, you don't know how to get there. I'm going to show you. You've got to trust me. You've got to follow me. I'm going to give you a land that's filled with milk and honey. Oh man, it is the most glorious land. You've never seen such a land. You've never been in such a place. I'm going to give it to you, Abraham. You and your descendants, you're going to have the best time there. It's going to be the greatest land. You are going to be great. And then they go down to Egypt because of a famine. And they are become under the thumb of the Pharaoh who abused them, oppressed them, used them in every way, shape, and form. My friends, that's a picture. It's close. If it's not the exact picture of today, it's a very close of what we are going through and are getting ready to go through as a people today. 
And then God heard his people crying and he called Moses through a burning bush. Moses went to look at the burning bush that was burning but was not burning up in Exodus 3. Moses, I've heard my people's cry. Moses, I've heard their weeping and wailing. Moses, I've heard them call upon me. And Moses, I'm going back. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3 because I, I want you to see something. Exodus chapter 3, I want to point out something real quick to you. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 10. Moses was sending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and, the, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, Mount Horeb. We are at in Deuteronomy chapter 34, where? Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo. In the plain of, of, in the mountain range of Pisgah. So he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight with the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. We walked on some holy ground this past Wednesday, didn't we? That was precious. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because they're taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. Notice the next verse, and notice the next sentence. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. A lot of Zites there. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of bondage. What did the Lord promise? He promised first and foremost to release the children of Israel from their oppressors, from the land of bondage. Second thing he promised them is to carry them forth, a promise that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to that land filled with milk and honey. God was on his way, he was still on his way, when he began it there at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promised land. He was still on his way with Moses. Now we come to the end of Moses' life. 
and a transition. Moses, this is the promised land. You can see it. You can look at it. You can see it. But you can't go in it. Why could not Moses go into it? Because he had sinned. He had disobeyed God. He had dishonored God. In Numbers 20, the consequences of disobedience and disbelief and dishonor was, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. He struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock to give them water. Deuteronomy 34 is the fulfillment of the original promise. He's got them to the land of promise. Moses, he's used Moses. I have come down to release them from bondage and take them. God always finishes what he starts. God never stops in the process until he is finished. And in God's mercy and God's grace and God's love for Moses, the man of God, the servant of the Lord, he allowed him to go up top Mount Nebo and see that beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. This is the land, he says, I have promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses was able to see it. You know, one of the things that's hard for us to see or probably fail to really recognize it during our times of crisis situation and all is that God sees everything from beginning to end. He never misses a thing. He knew my life while I was in, before I was in, even in my mother's womb. And he saw my life from then to the end of it. He sees yours the same way. God promises. And God promises are fulfilled. They will be fulfilled. We can rest in and own God's promises. That is a healthy way to view and deal with and cope with change. Second, receive God's provisions. Look at verses 5 and 8. 5 through 8. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Oh, that's verse 8. Let me go back to verse 5. Excuse me. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Receive God's provision. God has provided for all of mankind from beginning of time to the end of time. The, only, the reason we have what we have today is because of God's provision. The reason that we will have what we have is because of God's provision. God's promises were fulfilled in that he, he gave to Moses 
what Moses needed in leadership. But he wasn't finished with the children of Israel at this time when Moses got them to this side of Jordan and the promised land was across the Jordan. But God had brought them there, just like He said, I've come down to get them out of Egypt and to get them where I want them, in the promised land. But He wasn't finished with the children of Israel. But they were not the same as they were when He began with them. Back with Abraham. Change. Most of them... You're not going to like this. Most of them changed because most of them died in the wilderness. When they disobeyed God, time and time and time again, they disobeyed God. Time and time and time again, they went to Moses. What did you do? Bring us out here to die? Why in the world did you leave us back in? Why didn't you leave us back in Egypt? We'd have left if you'd have left us alone. We'd have, we'd have been oppressed and and uh, we'd have died there. But uh, but at least we'd have had food. At least we'd have had everything there. And uh, and yeah, but you were crying and weeping and and uh, calling on the Lord there because you didn't have what you wanted. Moses got tired of him. That's why he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. God, you you need to read some of that story. God got mad with the children of Israel a time or two too, and we was going he was going to kill them all right there. He was going to strike them, kill them all. Moses pleaded for them in their stead. They were changed. They were not the same. This is a different group of people now. This is a different group of children of Israel that that now are on this side of Jordan, fixing to cross over the Jordan. No longer the same. It became a time for change. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. It's a tough time. Moses had led them for over 40 years. He had been their leader. He had been the only leader. Joshua was beside him to help, and Aaron, his brother, was beside him to help him. But Moses, Moses was the leader. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. Verse 5. God provides. God provided for Moses to see, however, the promised land. How merciful and wonderful and gracious and loving is our God who loves us enough to provide for us. That's what he did with Moses. He allowed him to see the promised land. Can you imagine? I mean, just, I don't have time to camp out on this point, but can you just imagine Moses looking over and seeing that vast territory, that vast, wonderful land of promise. Oh, I can just just imagine. And now, 
He's died. But I want you to notice something else. Verse 6. Notice the Lord's provision again, and He buried him. Who buried him? The Lord. God, God buried him. Yeah, God buried Moses. I've never known anybody that God has buried. Have you? Now, I don't know if Luke has or not, but... And he buried him. And he buried him in the, land, in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. And no one knows his grave to this day. <laughs> They've never found the bones of Moses to this day. God provided. God provided him to see what he has told so many years to do. Forty years plus. And he saw it. Can you imagine how hard, how glad his heart was? Oh man, we're almost there. But what, what, may he, what he may not have realized is he's going to have much more joy. Because <laughs> he was going to glory. He was going into glory to be with God. Woo! Tell you what, that's enough to shout. And then the Lord provided his burial, and God buried him. Man, how awesome is that? And then look at verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Now listen, his eyes were not dim. Brothers, he and sisters, he did not need eyeglasses. He didn't need contacts. He didn't have cataracts or dogaracts or whatever, whatever, anything else in your eyes are. His eyes were not dim, to look, look further, nor his natural vigor. <laughs> I like that word, vigor. His natural vigor diminished. He was healthy from head to toe. He was still in good health. I could only pray that I would be that way someday. And then finally, God provided a time for mourning. Look at verse 8. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moab, uh, for Moses, ended. God allowed for the people to mourn for their leader, who had been leader, who had led for over 40 years. He allowed them to mourn. He allowed for their time of transition. He allowed for their time of weeping. He allowed for their time of sorrow. He allowed for that. But then it was over. Let me say compassionately, we cannot camp out here as Corinth Baptist Church with the leaving of our pastor. We have to move on. 
as inevitable as change is. And as difficult as it may be, we move on. Why? Because God doesn't want us to stand around and cry. He has plans for us. He has a future for us. He desires so much more for us. And we must move on. We must rest on God's promises. We must receive God's provisions. And we must rely on God's preparation. Look at verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. The new leader was with them. It's a little bit different than our situation here. As far as I know, we do not have the new leader in our midst. Only God knows that. But that isn't even the point. The point is God has prepared a leader already for Corinth Baptist Church. We may not see him, we may not know him, Yet, but God, in God's knowledge and wisdom and, and in all of His desire for Corinth Baptist Church, God has already prepared a person, a man, to come and to be the leader of His people. Moses' assistant, through many years, God had been preparing and working with Joshua for many years. Joshua Joshua was with this man of God. Joshua was with this leader of God. Joshua was with this man as he ate with him, as he prayed with him, as he suffered with him, as he lived with him. Night and day, day and night, Joshua was taught by him. Joshua was mentored by him. God was preparing Joshua for the day when Moses would be dead and left the family of God and Joshua would then take the children of Israel across the Jordan into the promised land and beyond. God has a man of God prepared. And He is preparing him right now for the task that He has for you and him when He comes. We can rely on God's preparation. Now God's guidelines for coping with change and dealing with change in the church, in our lives, resting on the promises of God and receiving God's provisions and relying on God's Preparation, and finally, rejoicing. 
Look at verse 10 through 12. Now, I don't want to, I don't want you to think that, that relying on God's preparation is, is least important. It isn't because I'm not spending a whole lot of time on it. But my time's running out. But listen, there's always a time, a, a time for rejoicing. There's always a time for rejoicing. Look at what he says in verses 10 through 12. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. This, this, is, this is marvelous in that the Word of God is exalting this man of God, this, this leader of God, who put up with so much for over 40 years with people. And he loved them. He kept on loving them and kept on leading them. And so... God says, there's not been one since Moses that I've known face to face like I did Moses. Face to face. That means he spent time with God. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in all the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all the servants and in all his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. There's never been a man like Moses. There will never be another like Moses. The Lord allows for time of rejoicing. In fact, the Lord says, and He set it up here in these two verses, He says, praise Him, praise the Lord, praise the man of God that you've had, that you've that, that He's led for, for 20 years. Praise Him. Give God the glory for Him. God's called him on to a different ministry. Now, he's been preparing him all these years. Now he's called him for what he wants him to do today. Thank God for Will. Thank God for Carrie. Thank God for their family. Thank God for Corinth Baptist Church where he's been able to be for 20 years. But friends, the time of transition and time of change has come and in the blessing of God, rejoice. 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 The Lord knew him face to face. He spent time with him. The signs, wonders, and mighty power, the great terror. That's what he was able to perform. This man of God and his family. We need to appreciate all these men of God who lead us, who have led us. I think about those that God has allowed me to know that God has allowed me to sin under. Men like Moses and Joshua and Caleb and Nehemiah and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John. In my lifetime, W.A. Criswell, C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, Billy Graham, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, I didn't know, not in my lifetime, John the Baptist, nor Jesus personally, but I know him personally now. <laughs> He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I know him personally, and I spend time with him. Thank God for all of these. But there are more to come. 
ladies and gentlemen. There are more coming. God has not finished what He started with Corinth Baptist Church. He's wanting to keep on working. And if we believe that He started with Corinth Baptist Church, He will stick with Corinth Baptist Church. We can rest on His promises that what He begins, He finishes, that He will provide for us, that we can understand and believe His preparation for us and with us. And we can rejoice. We can make the changes that are necessary to help us continue on as Corinth Baptist Church. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that if there's one here, just one even, that has never trusted you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that today will be the day. I pray, Lord, that they will call upon you and turn to you while you may be found. I pray for this body, these believers who are here, that today they make a commitment in their hearts and lives to heed your word today. To look to you, to rely upon you, to trust in you, to walk with you in the change, in the transition, to become all that you want us to become for your glory and our good. Because there are a number of people all around us who are lost and need you, Jesus. So speak to our hearts, touch our hearts, move our hearts, and move upon us today to walk with you and talk with you and commit to you to follow you faithfully and fully today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand, as we get ready to sing with the praise team as they lead us, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I, I beg of you to come today. I'll be here, I'll wait for you, and I'll be glad to share the Word of God so that you can know that today is a day of salvation for your life. If you are a Christian, if you're a child of God, what I'm asking you to do today is to commit you don't have to come down here necessarily and do that. You can if you want to. Come down here to pray. But commit to what is going to be taking place in Corinth Baptist Church for the glory of God as we change and transition to become what he wants us to be today, tomorrow, and the future.